It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, conversations with host Serena Catania. Okay, we are rolling. This is Serena Catania with OWC Radio. I have Mr. OWC on the line, Larry O'Connor, the CEO and founder of Otherworld Computing. We've got a lot to talk about today, don't we, Larry? We always do. Always, (laughs) Always lots going on in the world of technology. Yeah, there is. So I wanted to talk to you because I'm getting a lot of questions about configuring the new Mac Pro. And I know that OWC has solutions that can help us get more of what we need for less money than we can get on the Apple Store. And as much as I love Apple, I do trust OWC's memory. So I thought maybe we could take a minute and kind of go through what a customer would need to know when they're buying the Mac Pro and how OWC can help with all that. How about that? The Apple Store, uh, you're going to pay a big premium for, but I would never, uh, certainly certainly not today, uh, question Apple's quality. Now, Right. Aftermarket, you know, there's a lot of variability, and I would argue uh, a lot more risk in that department. And, you know, we're glad to be uh, you know, certainly uh, certified with all of our uh, our product. I mean, with extensive testing and actual ownership of machines to ensure ongoing uh, quality when it comes to the memory. For memory, you know, I, I have to honestly recommend, you know, of course, anything that's upgradable from Apple, buying the absolute minimum that you can you can purchase and then be able to upgrade with OWC. In this particular case, you know, literally saves you thousands. Even on just the smaller memory upgrades, mm-hmm. it's a huge savings. You know, to get you know, effectively the this, the same uh, the same quality product and a, a warranty of this lifetime versus just a year or Apple Care extended. And nice thing about memory in the Mac Pro, Apple does uh, uh, list that as user upgradable. They even had instructions up, which I believe at this point they corrected because we noted very early on that they had a, a, a mistake in uh, you know, how they told people to, where they told people to put uh, additional memory, but that was early on and taken care of. But nonetheless, it is a user-supported upgrade. We tell you where to put it, uh, tell you the right places to put the memory in and show you the video. So easy to do and, and a great savings. The solid-state drive, you know, it's you know, until Apple changes their uh, their support for a secondary drive, you know, I do still kind of recommend you, you have enough of a solid-state drive from the factory, and its solid-state's come down a whole ton compared to where it was you know, even just a year or two years ago mm-hmm. you know, on the factory side. And on you know, the machine of that uh, caliber and, and purpose, you know, I, I would certainly recommend you know, probably going with at least a 2-terabyte internal drive just to have you know, some room to breathe for your editing, for doing that VR. The Apple drive, uh, I want to say tops out, sustains 3,000 megs a second. You can plug in one of our Excelsior cards, which again still costs a lot less than the factory uh, uh, SSD, factory uh, NAND drive, mm-hmm. and will give you uh, over double that performance on a sustained basis. So going up to eight ter, you know, a lot of I mean, honestly, our eight terabyte card, and, you know, followed by the, our four terabyte, our most popular Excelsiors. But you know, as long as you get enough room, you have to support your boot activities and your your main stuff on your internal drive using the Excelsior, you know, one, two, or, or more of those cards. In fact to support you know, the, the really heavy-duty editing. And the process, that processing needs is, is a not only a, a, a way to save you know, money on solid-state space, but also get a, a substantially, again, you know, over double the performance of what the, uh, the stock Apple Drive provides. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a win-win for uh, what doesn't need to be on the boot drive. So why don't we take it? Let's paint a picture for people, because I think for some of us, it gets a little bit confusing. There's so many choices when you go to the Apple Store. So could we start out by talking with how many cores do you really need 
uh, if you're doing video editing and you have a medium-sized shop, or if you have a large shop, but you're doing a lot of video editing, how much do you need? Is uh, a 16 core big enough? Do you need more? I, you know, again, it, it's all. It's, there's a lot of very variables there. I mean, a small shop can be doing really, really heavy-duty stuff. So it really comes down to, you know, the applications and you know, you know, what you're doing, and that's something that's you know worth. I mean, in this particular case, when you talk to Apple about the app, the Mac Pro and what you're doing, you know, they give you pretty good advice. Mm-hmm. But you know, the 12 and 16 core. I know in the audio world, the 12 core seems to be uh, you know kind of the sweet spot. You know, 16 core for most folks. I mean, again, compared to Others, you know, anything that's come before this machine and the bandwidth, the slots, you know, just the overall mix of capability. Now, this thing is an incredibly powerful system. And the other fun thing, and, you know, we really haven't gone in there. We're, we're going to wait a little while. You know, these machines are still new. We want to make sure that you know, the bugs are worked out before we start uh, adding things that uh, could be pointed at. But starting with even a 12-core or 16-core you know, isn't a horrible place to start because the processor can be replaced. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something we will be offering aftermarket. So you could start potentially with a a twelve or sixteen core today, and for a heck of a lot less than the the factory cost, you know later uh, you know, drop in one of those higher cores, the on uh, W's, even even a, a speed a model that's you know not not been released yet by Intel. Mm-hmm. So there is a even the processor is upgradable. So as long as you know you're making a good leap forward from what you already have. And it at least meets your needs uh, you know, for a, a reasonable period of time. You don't want to buy it and then have to immediately upgrade it. Right. We prefer, honestly, upgrading you know, outside the warranty. Let anything that's going to you know, have an issue have an issue without Apple. But these systems are workhorses. They definitely are built to last. I mean, just like the the Silver Tower, which, quite frankly, is still going strong for a ton of folks. And we're still happy to support. In fact, the Excelsior works in the, the Silver Tower as well as it works in the uh, very latest uh, 2019 version. You know, this is a machine that uh, certainly, uh, has, I would argue, has got at least a decade plus ahead of it. Wow. Explain to people what the Excelsior is. The Excelsior, uh, thank you, is a, an SSD uh, array, effectively. It's a PCI SSD card that you plug into the Mac Pro. Uh, actually, again, any, any Mac Pro uh, Silver Tower or the latest 2019 Mac Pro that has a PCIe slot available works in PCs as well. It also works in Thunderbolt chassis. And today it lets you add up to 8 terabytes of flash capacity with performance of over 6,000 megabytes a second read and write. Mm. So extremely fast, high-capacity storage, mm-hmm. you know, ideally suited for uh, video editing and you know, high-volume uh, you know, uh, uh, audio and music instrumentation as well. I mean, people... Doing you know, soundtracks for major motion picture. In fact, a huge motion picture sequel that's going to be coming out next year are using our uh, are using our, already using our Excelsiors uh, in these production workflows. Oh, that's exciting! That's exciting. Now, this is in addition to the factory issued SSD storage that you get, right? Correct. So we were talking about. I had asked you if the Excelsior is an additional card or replacement for the factory issued SSD storage that comes with the Mac Pro. No, it's kind of both. I mean, again, I, I recommend using the internal factory drive to support mm-hmm. that with your you know your your OS and potentially applications. You know, Apple until Apple supports uh, bootability on uh, something other than just the factory drive, which currently cannot be upgraded. Even for backup, I think they need to support a another a boot option. There's there's ways around it. You can hack around it. I mean, uh, things like Carbon Copy Cloner will let you uh, clone your bootable volume 
to an external drive or an internal PCI drive, and then you can boot off of it. It's just not an ideal thing because Apple, anything that Apple doesn't technically support, you know, I get a little uh, you know, nervous recommending for uh, you know, a mission-critical workflow, mm-hmm. especially if suddenly you need it one day and, and Apple's made a change and suddenly uh, that backup isn't a viable option or that, that boot device stops uh, behaving correctly because Apple has decided they're, they're flipping a switch. Which, again, they probably wouldn't do, but it, it, anyway, that's a whole other topic of conversation. But to the main point, the uh, two-terabyte internal drive, I think, is a good investment. The cost has come down so much compared to uh, you know, a couple of years ago mm-hmm. that it's a small you know, addition uh, you know, when you uh, are configuring that system. And that's the only time you can upgrade the SSD in the Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. You know, once you have it, there's not an option to add more later. Mm-hmm. So even if you decide that you want to sell the system, having a larger internal uh, Flash drive gives you, you know, a better a better protection of that that particular unit. For the Excelsior, this is add-in flash, which technically again you can you can you can boot off of it, but it's twice as fast as the over twice as fast as the stock Apple uh, flash, and gives you uh, at, a, at a lower cost additional capacity, which then you can use for your data processing, whether mm. it's your instrument library for uh, creating music, you know, doing massive soundtrack, or VR AR editing. You know, video processing, I mean, you know, 4K rendering, whatever, 6K rendering for that matter, whatever uh, you know, processing needs you have, I mean, that's, that's where the, uh, I say that, that that's a super suitable uh, you know, opportunity for, the, uh, for adding the Excelsior. So you can find the Excelsior on MaxSales.com. Uh, do you recall offhand how much it costs? Certainly. The, uh, yeah, it starts uh, uh, under $700. You can also buy a zero gig, although I highly recommend uh, you're buying it populated, you know, ready to go. It, it ships with the soft rate for, for its rate and also for its uh, disk monitoring. Plus, I also should add that it is the only solution today. You know, in fact, soft rate and all of our soft rate powered external uh, SSD arrays as well as the uh, eternal array. You know, it's not a hack. Soft rate supports uh, trim. And at these high speeds in particular, having an SSD array without trim engage you know, you lose a lot of performance and you frankly have you know, far more erratic uh, data transfer rates versus the high top end that the uh, software aid with, with its trim support enables. And in most cases, I'm, I'm, I am an advocate of not needing trim, but at these speeds, you really need trim to have the best results. We've been talking about trim. My goodness, we were talking about trim on the digital production buds four years ago, right, I think. But uh, can you explain to people? Actually, it goes back to 2012. Because we Does had the it first, really? If you really oh. want to go back, actually 2011, because <laughs> OWC, back in 2011, we introduced, re-engineered, built, and shipped the very first SSD really designed for the Mac space before there was any trim, before even Apple had trim support for their own drives. Wow. And this particular drive, you know, eliminated you know, the external crutch requirement of having trim for its, its effectively its data management, you know, how the uh, the OS is able to, to understand what's what's open, what's free in the drive and what's not. Because, I mean, this is, the, there's it's not a physical, there's not physical locations on Flash, it's all you know, just address space. And that address space has to be tracked, or you don't know, you know where you can write and, and where you can't write. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have uh, the computer doing that with a lot of drives, you end up with far slower performance because it, it, it as I say, you're depending on an SSD that does, in some cases, have control that did that secondarily. If you go back a decade, you know, when you didn't have, when you had no trim on uh, the Mac OS at all, 
and you had a, a drive in there that needed trim, you know, within a few months, that drive could become slower than a hard drive. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the controller that we built around you know, was the first of its kind. It was designed for raids where there was no trim support, so you couldn't depend on trim to begin with. And it ended up being the perfect, it was an enterprise controller effectively, and it was the perfect uh, solution for the Mac space where there wasn't trim. So we were able to put out a drive that didn't depend on hacks. When Apple later had trim, you could kind of hack on for a non-Apple drive. It was a drive that didn't need the crutch. Now, all of today's drives, by and large, do pretty good internal management with or without trim. But as you get into the higher speeds still with NVMe, if you do not have trim, you, know, you do lose some performance. And at really high speed in, in an array where you're moving massive amounts of data, you know, which you can do with a Mac Pro, you know, suddenly without trim, you know, depending on the, on the drive zone internal capabilities versus having, I call it a partnership between the OS and the drive in terms of managing you know, those data addresses, you, can, you end up with you know, less than optimal performance. It's a really good performance, but not the best performance you can have. So we married all software, and whether that's with a Thunderblade or, or with uh, the Excelsior internal in a machine, you know, we're able to give you the maximum benefit of you know, what the drive can do, you know, along with you know, really how the OS is designed to operate you know, with the expectation that you know, trim is, is a part of the equation. You know, you mentioned SoftRaid. I have to tell you a little story. I was in a production meeting the other day, and one of our producing partners said, hey, by the way, you know, you've been talking about SoftRaid a lot, Serena. He said, I finally, I got a notice the other day that one of my drives was going to fail. He said, that thing really works. I'm sending for a new drive. <laughs> so I thought that was good news. Bad news and good news, right? You you saved the day with SoftRaid. You know, and that's, you know, what it's all about. I mean, it's it's not, you know, unfortunately, hard drives will fail. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, I mean, drives, I think, are built good, but I mean, at some point, especially you got a lot of them, I mean, it's like anything else. I mean, you're driving down the road, I mean, it, you know, you may have, you know, the, bought the best tires, but if there's a nail in the road, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. fortunately, you know, you're going to have a function. I mean, it's stuff like that, unfortunately, happens. Soft raid, you know, just tells you, I mean, just like, I mean, a nail, a nail might create a, a slow leak. You can still drive on it, but... If you have sensors, you know that good ones. You know that the uh, the tire has an issue before you, know, you can no longer drive on it. And Soft does a great job, you know, giving people advance warning of, you know, an upcoming uh, failure potential before it's in the middle of a mission critical uh, production. Even the rate five, where you can lose a drive, the last thing you ever want to do is, you know, no longer have redundancy. And now, if another drive goes or something. You know, fluky happens. You know, yeah. suddenly everything's lost. So I got you off track. Let's talk about what the Excelsior costs. It's available today for one terabyte up to eight terabytes. It starts from under seven hundred dollars, and currently the eight terabyte is the number one selling capacity. is currently at nineteen ninety nine, and I, this was something that would be a good bit lower, but Flash, you know, has really gone up. Uh, you know, in, in the first. Uh, you know, actually kind of started at the very end of last year and the beginning of this year with you know, some actual uh, supply crunches out there, even before the coronavirus became a, a factor. And on the go forward, I mean, we're, I'll be honest to say, in general on Flash, not to totally jump to another area, you know, I'm a little concerned in terms of, you know, what, you know, how things are going to shape this year. I mean, there are forces on both sides of the supply, uh, I guess you could say impact, you know, will impact the market uh, this year, but best we're going to see uh, prices stay uh, flat at worst we could see the future shortages and even higher prices on some 
some kinds of products. There's there's a lot going on in the flash market even before uh, you know how this uh, this China you know virus is going to impact. So it's it's interesting. We want to make these things more affordable, but I think we're still very again it's still a great savings over Apple. It offers a great benefit for in terms of what it does in, in general. In, with you looking at flash, it actually makes Apple stuff look like a, a better really better deal. They have you know, pretty good contracts in terms of their pricing. Again, more than what we charge, but still, again, I, I will say over and over again, you know, adding a little more flash at the factory, I, I think, is one mm-hmm. of a really good long-term investment. Yeah, I agree. I think two terabytes would be the minimum. And we're going to talk to you about China in a minute, but I want to keep going on the Mac Pro so we can give people a visual of what they need. So we've talked about the processor, and, and um, I mean, it comes with an Intel Xenon W processor, and it talks about Turbo Boost. Um, then we get into memory. Here's what I think a minimum might be, and you tell me if I'm right. I, I'm thinking that if you're ordering a new Mac Pro, you need at least 48 gigs of memory, and then you can supplement with OWC to bring it up to more. Is that how you would recommend configuring it? I would honestly just start with 32 gigs. Why even spend the extra, you know, to get 48? Aha, there you go. So you're saving some money there. So get 32 gigs. And then how much memory do you think you might need to put in from OWC? You know, the nice thing about memory is, you know, you can really you know, choose to upgrade as you as you need, as you want. You can mix mm-hmm. now, and we're trying to make this easier on our pages. You, you can't mix. If you want more than uh, 384 gigabytes, you have to go to LR DIMMs as opposed to ECC registered DIMMs. So everything up to 384, you know, the 8s, the 16s, and the 32-gig modules, those you can mix. They've got to be in pairs, you know, no less than pair sets. You know, you can't put 116 with 32. They've got to be installed at least in pairs. But you can have up to 12 modules of, of ECC DIMM or up to 12 modules of LR DIMM. Everything 64-gigabyte and 128-gigabyte modules now can mix. So you mix 64s and 128s, sort of all those. There's some interesting. There's some things there as well to be aware of. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I don't. I can go into a thousand, you know, little, you know, the idiosyncrasies and, you know, how I say, and quirks. But at the end of the day, you know, up to 384 gig, you can do with the uh, with ECC DIMM, so you can mix that stock memory with additional, add you know, another pair of eight gigs, you know, another 16 rather with two eights. You can add you know, 16s to that, you can add 32s to that. You know, if you buy 32 gigs, you've got four slots populated and eight slots open. And the machine uh, likes to run with either four, six, uh, eight, or twelve modules installed. And the only thing you cannot uh, not do effectively is have uh, ten modules in the machine. Why is that? It's just the way the architecture works. It likes to work in sets of fours or sets of six. The way it addresses, maximizes memory bandwidth. Again, it all has to do with how it uh, interlaces, how it uh, puts the memory together and, and mm-hmm. uses the, the available bandwidth and, and maps across multiple modules to, to give you the best uh, memory bandwidth performance. But yeah, Apple charges a lot of money. just to, Even to go from 32 to 48, they, they're charging you know, $300. Mm-hmm. I mean, for $300, and I'm just going to double-check the, the current, but yeah, for 300 bucks, for for just a little bit more than 300 bucks, you can add 64 gigs. For for under 300, you can add another 32. So you can add double. For either half the price, you can add 16 gig more, or for uh, twice the price, you can add uh, you can add 32 and add double. Wow. So I, I definitely whatever configuration you go, with, you know, you can start with 32 gigs, and whatever you decide you need, you it's it's easy to upgrade afterwards. So that's. 
you know, there's no minimum or maximum I would suggest other than you know, what your application dictates. And if you need more memory, well, you got those 12 slots and it's easy to add more. That's awesome. Now, is it as easy to add as it was on the iMac? With the Mac Pro, it seems like it would be. I mean, look. No, I say I say it's a little bit easier. Oh, cool. You know, the iMac, you got to kind of get that tray out. They're SODIMs. They kind of go at an angle, and it's, it's a smaller module in kind of a tighter compartment. Now these just plug, these are nice big modules that plug into nice big, easily accessible slots when you open up that Mac Pro. Very, very easy upgrade. I mean, I, I upgraded my iMac the moment I got it. I think I did a little tutorial on the web about how to do it using OWC memory. It was so easy. So this is great. This is great news. I'm so glad we're talking about this because you're, you're helping people to configure these and you're saving them some money at the same time. What about graphics cards? Do you have an opinion on the graphics cards? That seems to be something that people are wondering if they need the Radon Pro Vega, Radeon Pro Vega 2, or if they need the 2 Duo, or is that something that's appropriate to talk about? It's certainly appropriate to talk about, but honestly, I mean, I'd really, and that's a good place to talk to Apple and understand, mm-hmm. you know, what your application needs are, what you're editing today, what you're editing tomorrow. Remember, you have PCIe slots. If you don't add it at the factory, you know, there will be opportunities to add these cards later. You know, we're going to have a, we will have a Radeon. The W card is going to be a little different uh, program, but the, uh, you know, there's an XT version of that that, you know, we'll be offering. Apple, honestly, is going to have that, that W5700, you know, rel- hopefully relatively soon. You now it, it's just starting to ship in general out in the, the market. And that's a car that I, that maybe, honestly, may be worth waiting for. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to, you know, what are, you know, your specific requirements today? You know what you think is near term. You know, remember the uh, the other thing about the the higher end uh, Vega two. It also has Thunderbolt ports, so that's you know something else to consider. You you want more Thunderbolt, but also be aware that there's you know some bandwidth limitations potentially on those cards when you uh, when you use those for Thunderbolt. They're more. Oh really? They seem to be. And this is still an area that I have to educate myself on. Mm-hmm. They seem to be a, a better serve if you're going to use it for a high-resolution display plugged directly into the, uh, the the port on the card as opposed to additional data devices. That's interesting. So that's actually a big thing to think about because that, that is something to consider also. If you think you're going to have a lot of – if you want to have a lot of Thunderbolt data uh, devices external to the computer plus high-resolution displays, those high-resolution displays – suck down a huge portion of the uh, the bandwidth mm-hmm. today on Thunderbolt on those Thunderbolt 3 uh that I say connections. So you don't well, especially you go like a uh, well, an Apple 6K, you don't want to be uh, driving a, a 6K display, you know, on the same bus that you got your uh, your editing drives because the amount of bandwidth that takes is pretty substantial. I know one thing the 5700 does, it has a new compression technology It's supposed to reduce it without impacting the display. You know, output is supposed to reduce the amount of bandwidth that's 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 default taken down on the on a Thunderbolt line, you know, by the, uh, the by the video portion. So that's something else that could be another benefit for the 5700. There's a lot, honestly, to learn and research on the video cards. And like anything else, certainly in this price range, I recommend anybody who looking at a Mac Pro really understand you know what their workflow requirements are and and do your homework on 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 the options. But for memory for for solid state, it's, it's pretty easy. The video cards and everything else, video cards, you know, again, you want to pick the right thing to start with from the factory, but know you're going to have options in the future. The solid state drive, you know, whatever you buy from the factory, I mean, that's what you're going to have. So certainly, uh, you know, it, it, two terabytes, I think, is a pretty good recommendation on a machine of this class. Mm-hmm. Getting the 256 gig is going to be a huge mistake, in my opinion. 
unless you're willing to work on a run off a hack system that's you know you installed the OS on that drive and then you clone it over and and once you do I mean it, it does work but you know it's I, I just I would never feel comfortable running on it on a cloned system you know, in a way that Apple uh, doesn't support I've tested it I've tried it myself and again I can I can say it does work but it's it's just not comfortable <laughs> I want to be able to do a clean fresh install on the device I boot from yeah, and you know what? That's one of those life is too short situations. Um, well, I think the Excelsior card is good news for people, and I think the fact that you can save a lot of money and install a lot of OWC memory is really also wonderful. Is there anything else about the Mac Pro and OWC solutions that we need to call attention to? No, not yet today, although all of our external drives, of course, all our Thunderbolt products, you know, you know, plug and play and go. you got SATA ports inside that extra SSDs, or, or SSDs stick nicely into, but you know, there's lots more to come. We have a, a great development pipeline for the new Mac Pro. I mean, it's, offers, it's offering I mean, just a huge you know, array of different you know, potentials, and you know, we're looking to make sure, we, as we understand, mm-hmm. the workflow needs and you know, people's challenges and pain points where we can make improvements, and you know, we're looking forward to bringing more great products for the Mac Pro. But memory was a, a shoe-in. I mean, you know, we're glad, again, to be able to get that tested well before uh, this machine shipped. And we didn't ship our memory until we had our own Mac Pros just to make sure everything was for offer, still the same. I mean, it's a server platform. We weren't too worried. But you know, I do know that uh, while our memory you know, out of the gate has worked perfect for folks, and we've upgraded mm-hmm. already, literally. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad to see the adoption of this machine, but we literally have updated now thousands of these systems with OWC memory. Mm-hmm. And whereas that worked great, you know, we also heard from a lot of customers. So stuff they got listed, the place they got listed as sources that are just flipping memory. I hate to put it that way, but that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Don't have the machines, aren't doing the certifications, aren't making sure their stuff is, you know, perfectly correct for what Apple requires, not just a general specification, because not all memory is the same. You know, there are a lot of problems out there with, you know, some of this other stuff. So, you know, there's just, just make sure, I mean, it's, you know, penny wise and, you know, pound short is you know, something you certainly want to avoid. And, you know, we absolutely understand, you know, who's using these machines. And, you know, we make 100%, that's certain that, you know, you can count on, you know, what we ship. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm telling people that um, Apple has a credit card that you can apply for that you can use to loan yourself the money to pay for your Mac Pro and then take the cash you would have spent and buy the OWC add-ons because I think that, uh, I just think you're getting a much better machine. I love the new Mac Pro. I think I think it's just good news that Apple came out with it. The other thing is, is if you have a business account, you can save a certain percentage on purchasing these machines. And if you use your Apple credit card, you get another 3% off. So there's some good deals for people. And I think Adorama for a while was running 500 off these machines. So check it out. I don't know if their sale is still going, but when you go into Apple to look at your Mac Pro, talk to your rep. And there's a reason why he's asking you what monitor you're going to use, which I just found out from Larry O'Connor. Thank you, Larry. I was wondering why they ask, what monitor are you going to be using? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm spending all this money on a Mac Pro. Just hold off for a second on the monitor. But now I understand why they're asking that question. So this is valuable information. Let's move on for a moment and talk about the pipeline for technology companies who are dealing with China. And can you explain to people how much of your product is made in the USA? How much of it is assembled in China? And 
what the company is doing to hedge against potential problems down the line. Because it is going to be a problem. And as you mentioned before, a lot of companies are going to be raising their prices, some of them illegitimately taking advantage of the situation, and definitely not in OWC's case. So can you talk to us for a moment about China? Sure. And, you know, I guess I had a couple of things. Even before the, the virus became a factor, we just want to look at and even to some degree memory uh, production. You know, it's been kind of the perfect storm with Toshiba and Samsung, you know, both experiencing, you know, random issues. And, you know, it, when you're talking at, you know, at, a, at a fab where they're working with Litho on um, wafer, when there's a little power outage that, you know, for us, that, you know, the lights flicker and maybe UPS buzzes, you know, in a major production line, you know, required, it, it impacts things where significant, you know, recalibration is required. And it can take, you know, just a momentary, unexpected, unplanned, you know, power blip can bring those lines, uh, you know, literally down for, you know, a couple of weeks while they recalibrate. There are certain parts of the line. And then Toshiba had to take their line down earlier this year because of, uh, actually, right during CES, they had a, a minor fire in a factory. It wasn't a, uh, a part of their uh, their line, but, you know, these things, you know, again, everything has to be shut down. I mean, it's, it's it, uh, fire causes evacuation. And then, you know, bringing things back up again, you know, you don't, they don't just flip a switch and suddenly, you know, flash is being uh, produced. So those sorts of things are going on. Now, we also have a transition from TLC to QLC, and that's a whole other you know, fun area. And I'll touch base. I'd like to touch base real briefly on that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's really two kinds of flash out there today. There's cheap stuff and there's fast stuff. You know, there's, I would argue that our stuff is, is fast and you know, very competitive. But in terms of, you know, there's, you know, we're seeing you know, lots of inexpensive uh, drive in the marketplace today, which is great. But a lot of them, you know, they, they get there. In fact, pretty much everything that's gotten there has gotten there by either uh, limiting the uh, their cash, even with the TLC product, with uh, the faster TLC, or they've moved on to uh, TLC, I'm sorry, to QLC, which is super, super slow. And these drives, you see them in benchmarks. And for short bursts, they'll show performance that's pretty much in line with, you know, the, the stuff that's at the top of the game, that's the stuff with, you know, you know, our brand product. But any kind of system, Stained run that in some cases it may only be one or two percent of their drive capacity. So on a two terabyte drive, you might have four or five terabytes, sorry, four or five gigabytes of that capacity that can be written at full speed. And after that, so you can literally drop from you know, over 2,000 megs a second to less than 100 megabytes a second hmm. with QLC. Now it's always going to be fast. I mean, for for most consumers, I mean, using you know, how do I say, normal you know, productivity applications, you know, first off, you're probably not going to exceed that, uh, that cache, that buffer mm-hmm. point. And even if you do, you're doing a lot of small transactions. You're still better than a hard drive. Yeah, the hard drive can do 300 megs a second or 250 megs a second, which that's more realistic what a lot of hard drives do today. A flash drive sustaining 100 megabytes a second with small transactions, with 40, uh, aka uh, small writes, where hard drives uh, have a limited number of IOPS that bring the real performance down to you know, a few megabytes a second, you, know, you still have a benefit. But for anybody doing video editing, you know, high music, anything that's write intensive, QLC, you know, the, the specs they can put out there look great because they, they look pretty much like any other drive. But once you do any kind of durability, uh, any long-term duration uh, you know, work on them, the performance becomes honestly unbearable compared to a modern drive. They have an NVMe drive that, or a Thunderbolt drive that, you know, when you look at some of the, uh, our Technica 
charts. I mean, literally, you know, some of these charts fall off the uh, they go off the charts, but not not to the the extreme you want. I mean, they're almost unmeasurable. They're so slow compared to everything else when they're actually put into a, a real world working uh, workflow uh, requirement. But we do have a transition to QLC. It's less expensive flash. The ways to buffer it so pay for the drive. You know, you make you know more or less uh, you know full speed before it really slows down. But ultimately, I mean, they're great for read-intensive purposes and for consumer applications. And, you know, there's such a demand for Flash. It's, you, know, you can have higher density in QLC for a lower cost. You know, they, as they bring the wafers up, I mean, the yields you know, potentially are higher. It's, and that's, you know, where there's a lot of transition. So we have all we have interruptions to production. We have growing demand on Flash because Flash got really cheap last year. I mean, it mm-hmm. actually fell substantially in, uh, from the beginning of 2019 till through the end of 2019, even where we are now, back up about 25% versus where the lows are. And that, that's already into the marketplace. You know, we're still very inexpensive relative to where we started last year. Mm-hmm. So, we do, so demand issues you know, related to the QLC transition, we have real demand still on you know, what now is kind of the top uh, flash sites, the mature you know, high-performance TLC Flash types and you know more again all these folks that you know want to be able to do the, the high speed editing they want to have high performance even for you know game capture they're streaming and they're you know, they're recording video all sorts of different things require flash that's fast so that's putting crunch on it and then we get to China which just came out I mean that was that was a whole new uh, how to say threat to uh, this whole this whole supply chain mm-hmm. you already got demand you already got prices up even without the virus without coronavirus. You know, up about 25%. And then you have this not impacting because there's not really way for this. You're not having litho done in China. You know, that's, I mean, Korea, Malaysia, you know, other countries. I mean, you have, you know, like where Micron, Toshiba, Japan. You know, that's primarily outside of China, but a lot of the wafer is still made in China. The PCBs, you know, are made and exported from China. And this virus, while quarter one was not so much an issue, you know the companies that supply these these raw effectively raw materials required for these manufacturing you know outputs. Now they're noting uh, you know threats to their quarter two and quarter three supply chain and, and ability to keep you know supplying at the levels that they have been maintaining. So that's you know that is something that even if everything went perfect with transition and they got the production flows balanced out with demand. You know, there's a, there certainly doesn't look even before the virus. It looked like this year is we, you know, it went up and it was looking to say pretty flat for the year. But the virus now, you have one side there's reduced consumption because manufacturing outputs have gone down from consumers of the flash, but you also have impact to the supply side to continue flash production, which potentially limits uh, output later this year. So there's mm-hmm. enough things in flux that I think a flat, a relatively flat year. And, uh, hopefully, again, I, it, it, there's more of a probability. The most probable at this point looks pretty flat for the year. The highest in terms of the, the higher performance flash, the uh, yeah, I'd say the, the next highest probability would be a, a you know more increase, more cost increase with supply. And the uh, you know there's you know I would say a less far smaller probability of price drop. And if it is again, if, if, you know, if something's four hundred dollars now, you know maybe it's back to you know around. Uh, you know, three, you know, three hundred or three fifty later this year. Mm-hmm. You know, the benefit of having that flash when you need it, I don't think is worth. Long well, short of it is, if you're trying to wait out uh, for better pricing, you know, even the Excelsior. I mean, they had before the uh, the supply crunch. You know, our product uh, at eight terabytes, you know, was you know, fifteen nine nine, and you know, we're at this point we're doing everything we can to keep it under two thousand. Mm-hmm. But 
I would argue that uh, the benefit you get if you need eight terabytes of flash today for four hundred dollars more, even if that price was, you know, back to fifteen ninety nine in six months, I think not having that for six months is going to cost you more than the four hundred dollar delta. And I also don't believe we're going to back there. I don't we're back there. Uh, how to say uh, that, that quickly either. Would it be possible to move your production to another country? We manufacture, OWC manufactures very, very little in China. Mm-hmm. I mean, the majority, and especially since the tariff started, I mean, we already, you know, what was still being done in China, you know, a lot of that's been moved, you know, how to say whether it was, if we weren't doing it here and we weren't doing it in North America, period, I mean, a lot of that's moved to Taipei and other, uh, mm-hmm. you know, other, opportun- other places where that can be supported with the same QC and quality and uh, how to say uh, production volume and, and definitely again I say quality control but you know, that case I can't say quality control enough you know, it's one of the biggest risks to moving existing production lines is making sure that you know, where it's moved to has the capability and the skill set to, to still do it right but it's not the manufacturing that's the, the challenge like I said the uh, you know even the, the, just talk about Samsung Samsung Manufacture. I mean, all that was done in Korea, but they tendencies on you know, on raw materials that come out of China. You know, there's still different, you know, parts of the, uh, of the finished product that are still, you know, have a, a base in China that you know, isn't going to be quickly replaced. It's kind of like if you want a comparison, it's like back in uh, 2011 when the the floods hit Thailand. There was a huge dependency on Thailand for uh, for uh, mainly hard drive activators. Mm-hmm. That was a huge uh, you know, thing there, and in other. You know, we had the main manufacturing facilities there because of the the supply chain was there. Mm-hmm. And what happened when they got flooded out? All those places you know, couldn't produce. Huge, huge. I mean, it, it took a while. I mean, to, to diversify and and have other places that could meet the required demands. So it's not a uh, not overnight uh, kind of gig. And in the case of Thailand, you know, the floods receded. You know, they because they got facilities back up. And yeah, you know, about six, seven, it was nine months later, supply came back online. He's a little bit different, uh, you know, with uh, I say this this sort of thing. PCBs again, another huge, you know, thing that's built in China for companies. You know, just about every company, quite frankly, a huge majority. Of the uh, the majority, I guess, to put it more succinctly, the majority of just the raw PCBs, the uh, the boards that you now we do all all of our uh, componentry mono, whether it's Apple, whether it's HP, Samsung. I, I can't speak for Samsung. I shouldn't say Samsung, but. You know, Cisco. I mean, you 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 name it. They probably build a PCB. You know, over there. Heck, you know, guys build refrigerators and washing machines. I mean, they, those all have uh, printed circuit boards. Those PCBs, printed circuit boards. You know, the vast majority come out of China, and there are definitely uh, impacts. Even uh, for us, you know, we had a a regular scheduled uh, production for our order line, and fortunately, we stock pretty good. I mean, we like to have you know, a safety buffer. But you know, stuff that was supposed to ship before Chinese New Year because of the virus, you know, it was produced, but it got hung up. It couldn't. It just it couldn't move, uh, you know, quick enough to get, you know, get out the door and get you now into the air. I mean, they air these things in. PCBs don't weigh very much. It got delayed, you know, several weeks because of the uh, the virus. And you know, our production on one of our most popular products was, you know, we was on hold for you know a little bit over a month. Wow. And that shouldn't have happened. But specifically affected the OR N, the OR which upgrades are uh, the upgrade line for the uh, the MacBook uh, mm-hmm. Pros and Mac Pro 2013s and uh, Mac Minis and iMacs now are a little our SSD uh, upgrade for the for the Macs of uh, 2012. In fact, they got up to 2019 as well, supporting the new iMacs. But 
you know, that was impacted. And for the most part, again, we have a good safety supply and buffer, and that, but you know, a couple of our lower capacities, and we're going to have shortages for the next couple of weeks while we catch up. And again, that was, you know, that, that was something we'd like to plan ahead. I mean, when you're more hand-to-mouth, you know, a lot of companies, you know, they, they lean manufacturing. You know, it's it's this was you, know, you can you can plan for a lot of things. It, it was pretty hard to uh, predict. Uh, you know, this virus coming out of out of thin air. Plus, right before Chinese New Year, which is about the if you want to talk about about the worst time to mm-hmm. impact and the worst time to risk spread, I mean I, the, the human tragedy of this is it's it's pretty it's serious to say the least. Obviously, I mean words can't even express, but it was about the from an economic production and just human you know, risk you know, time. It was about the absolute worst time for that virus to emerge. I think this is going to ricochet all over the world. How many countries does OWC work in, and how long have you been in business now? Now, we're in our 31st year, actually maybe our 32nd year, but over 31 years. <laughs> it was, technically, it's our 32nd year. We have operations in China. have a, a team that's in uh, outside Shenzhen, who so far are all healthy, safe, and that's that's really good. Well, Taipei, that's good news. And then you know, Taiwan, and uh, and then we have our, uh, our in, for Europe, but we're based in uh, in Belgium. Yeah, we shifted about 180 countries last year. The bottom line is uh, what you see is what you get, and uh, you get what you pay for. So you have a wonderful day. Thank you for taking time out of a really busy life to do this for our listeners. And thanks again for supporting OWC Radio. Tell them where you want them to go to learn more. Sure, you can, you can learn more at OWC.com or MaxSales.com. There you go. Go there. Do that. Check it out. And remember what I always tell you. Get up off your chairs and go do something wonderful today. Take care and thanks for listening. 